Let's open our Bible, 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 22, if you uh, can find that. 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 22. That's easy to remember, right? 2.22. Before we get to that, I want to talk to you for a second about baptism, because we do have a baptism coming up at the end of the month, the, uh, uh, what is it, the 28th, I think? The 28th, and, uh, you know, this is an important thing, it's, it's, you know, the Bible is full of, full of talking about it in the New Testament where they would be baptized. I, I put this up here because it kind of, uh, it has the picture here. But when they believed Philip as he preached the good news of the kingdom of God and the name of Jesus Christ, they were baptized, both men and women. So in, in the days of the early church, people would hear the gospel, the good news about Jesus Christ, and they would immediately be baptized. They wouldn't wait till they went through a 17-week course or anything like that. I said, wow. You remember the, the Ethiopian eunuch, right? Uh, Philip talked to him, and what happened? He, he, he believed, he trusted in Jesus, and he said, hey, there's some water. Let's get baptized right now. So there was kind of an urgency in a sense. Now, is the urgency so that you'll be saved? No. The Bible nowhere teaches that that you have to be baptized to get into heaven because you, you think about the, the thief on the cross next to Jesus. What did Jesus tell him? Well, can you get down from there and get baptized real quick? Or maybe ask them to sprinkle up some water on you real quick and we'll make sure we cover that base and then you'll be able to go to paradise. Is that what he said? No, he said, this day you'll be with me in paradise. And all he said is, Lord, remember me when you come into your kingdom. So, so it's, it's, it's an important thing, but it's a, again, it's an outward sign of an inward work. Something that took place within you, within me, that we are, we are you know, saying publicly that we identify with Jesus Christ. We uh, identify with his death going down into the water, with his resurrection coming up out of the water. We identify with him and what he did for me personally. So, if you uh, haven't been baptized, I encourage you, let someone know, uh, any of the leaders here, myself, anybody else, uh, just let someone know so we kind of uh, prepare ourselves, and, and uh, we have a bunch of white robes we'll pass out to you. Uh, not really. <laughs> that would really look good, but we're fresh out. Hey, let's look at our... our uh, review from last week, we talked about being useful to the master, that, that there are vessels, right? And you remember we had a couple of vessels up here. And the question is, what kind of vessels are we? Are we like the garbage can or are we like a teapot? Are, are, you know, what would you drink from? And God, we are his vessels, right? The, the Bible makes that clear. That you and I are his vessels. And, and he says to cleanse ourselves from, from you know, certain things so that we will be more useful to him. That's why we do it, so we could be useful. And if we're full of garbage, we're not going to be useful to him. Now, we're all sinners. We all need to go and, and, and have our sins cleansed and, and washed, and we go and we confess, and, and none of us are going to get to that perfect state. But you know what? We still have choices, right, how we live our lives. We still have choices about what we do and, and, and how we conduct ourselves. 
the things that we allow in our own lives, allow into our own homes. So think about that. The reason is, why? Because we want to be useful to the master. Why would I make any choices? Because I want to be useful to the master, to Jesus. I, wanna, I, want, to, I want to be available to him to be uh, to do those things that he prepared in advance, Ephesians 2.10. The things that he prepared in advance for me to do. I want to be available to do those things. What has he prepared in advance for you is an interesting thing. The, the word I put up here, consecration, that's kind of like the old uh, term that's used to speaking, in speaking about this concept where we consecrate ourselves, we, we bring ourselves to him to, 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 to let him uh, use our lives. We're consecrated to him. But, but that's kind of scary, isn't it? When you think about it. But I, I read this the very next day in uh, uh, a little devotional called Streams in the Desert, Volume 2. And he said this, and he quotes uh, Romans chapter 6 from... Uh, a different translation, he says, don't present your members to sin as instruments to be used for unrighteousness, but present yourselves to God as those who are alive from the dead. Makes me think of Matthew again. Present yourselves to God as those who are alive from the dead. And it, it actually is that we are alive from the dead. When you think about, you know, the prodigal son... Right? He left and he, he walked away from the father. He, he was out doing his own thing. Finally, he realized, I need to get back. And what did the father say? He said, my son, he was dead and now he's alive. He was dead and now he's alive. But listen to what this, uh, this gentleman wrote. He says, I went one night to hear an address on consecration. And no special message came to me from it, but as the speaker kneeled to pray, he dropped this sentence, O oh Lord, thou knowest we can trust the man that died for us. And he, he goes on to say, and that was my message. I rose and I walked down the street to the train, and as I walked, I pondered deeply all that consecration might mean to my life. He says, and I was afraid. And then above the noise and clatter of the street traffic came to me the message, you can trust the man that died for you. This idea of consecration, I'm afraid. What is it going to mean for my life? He says, I got into the train to ride home, and as I rode, I thought of the changes, the sacrifices, the disappointments which consecration might mean to me, and I was afraid. I reached home and I sought my room and there upon my knees I saw my past life. I had been a Christian, an officer in the church, a Sunday school superintendent, but had never definitely yielded my life to God. And yet as I thought of the darling plans which might be baffled, I like that, my darling plans, of the cherished hopes to be surrendered and the chosen profession which I might be called upon to abandon, I was afraid. I did not see the better things God had for me, so my soul was shrinking back. And then for the last time, with a swift rush of convicting power, came to my innermost heart that searching message. My child, you can trust the man that died for you. If you cannot trust him, whom can you trust? 
He says, that settled it for me, for in a flash. I saw that the man who so loved me as to die for me could be absolutely trusted with all the concerns of the life that he had saved. There's a lot of truth in that, you know. What is God calling you and I to do? And, we, and we're afraid to, 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 give, to, to give it all up to him and say, Lord, do with it as you would want to do with it. With my life, I'm ready to make changes if I need to make changes. There's, a, there's an amount of fear, isn't there? Say, well, that's okay for somebody else, but no, I gotta, I gotta follow my plan because my plan, my darling plan, I was afraid. But can you trust the one who died for you? That's the question, isn't it? Now, getting to today, I want, I want to uh, change directions. Uh, any, any of you are, are any of you runners? One, two. Did I ask this question before? I did. And the same two people raised their hands. Any other runners while we're asking? Maybe you weren't here that day. Any other runners? You know what a runner is? Runners. You know, I, I wore my running gear. I was going to wear some uh, sweatpants, but I realized I didn't have any. I, I, I was going to wear some running shorts, but then I didn't have any of those either. So I had to wear jeans, but I wore my running t-shirt, and people looked at me like, something wrong with him. My wife said, are you okay? Like, why? What's your problem? And I wore my running shoes, right? Because this is important, and what I want to talk about today is this idea of running. Well, let me ask you a question first. Are there things... Are there things that you need to run away from? Let me ask you. Do you, do you have any ideas? What, what are some of the things in this life to run away from? Pardon? Immorality. Immorality. Okay. Right. Okay. What else? Temptation. Pardon? Temptation. Temptation. Okay. What else? What, what are some of the things in this life to, that we need to run away from? Sin. Pardon? Sin. Sin, okay. Something a little more simple than is what I'm looking for. Danger, right? Danger. There's something dangerous happening, right? You need to get out of there, right? You need to run if it's dangerous. How about on the other side, what are some of the things that you need to run to? What are good things to run to, run towards? God, he said. Fellowship, right? What else? The Word, yeah. What else? Safe place, yeah, yeah. Okay. Anything else? How about worship? How about family, right? Pardon? Happiness. There's a lot of positive things, a lot of good things, and there's, there's negative things too. But, you know, we could get so negative and we could just start, start slamming you. You need to run away from such and such and such and such. And that's all you're going to spend your life doing is running away from such and such and such and such. And what about running towards something? See? 
That's kind of the, the thinking that I've had as I've been looking at this passage here today. Let's read verse 22. 2 Timothy 2.22. See what it says there. He says, flee the evil desires of youth and pursue righteousness, faith, love, and peace, along with those who call on the Lord out of a pure heart. Flee and pursue. Run from and run to. Let's pray together. Father, in, in heaven, first of all, we, we want to acknowledge that your hand was very uh, evident in the life of our friend and brother, Matthew. And Lord, he acknowledged that he does trust you as his Savior. He acknowledged that to me. And so uh, we, we, we thank you for that, Lord. But we do pray for the, the things that he's still facing, the this catheter, uh, catheterization that he's going to face, the, the different things that he needs to address in his own physical body, in his own life. We, we pray for him. We pray your strength, continued strength on him. We pray for all the rest of the family, too, who need to surrender their lives, perhaps. But we all bow the knee before you as the great and awesome one, Lord. We pray that you'd speak to us through your word today, Lord. Guide our hearts, guide our lives. Give us some impetus, some reason to get up and get moving. In Jesus' name, amen. So, we see here in this verse, and I, and I, point that, I pointed it already, it's not just running away from things, but there's a positive, there's a running too. And, and really... You know what, if we're not moving, we're stagnating, we're staying in one place, we're stuck, we need to be moving, and, and you know what, we need to be putting some effort into it. We need to be putting something into it, and, and, and I think that's why he's using these kinds of words that are, that are strong words. The word flee is a strong word, the word pursue is actually a very strong word, as we'll see. But in my mind, I'm thinking about kind of the direction of my life, the direction of our lives. Are we making moves? Are we, are we heading in a direction in our lives? Are we making moves? But I had this question too. Can what we're reading today, can this affect us being useful for the master? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely can. So the first thing that he talks about there is to flee. And again, this is the definition of that exact word, to run away from, to escape, and the word flee. To run away from, to escape, and flee. And I'm, think, I'm still thinking about this danger. All these things that you talked about, everything that, that people mention, they're all, they're all kind of, I think, called, kind of included in that word Danger. When there's something dangerous going on, the question is, do you have your running shoes on? Do you have your running shoes? Now, are they literal running shoes? You know, the fact of the matter is these shoes I have on, they're, they're really walking shoes because I really can't run. If you chase me, I might run. But, you know, I've, I've got this back thing that if I run, it, like, gets bad. But I can walk. I love to walk. 
So it's not a literal shoe that we're wearing, but I was thinking too about, you know, uh, the, the armor of God. And he talks, uh, he talks about the armor of God, about having our feet shod with the, these shoes, really, that, that talk about the, the gospel of peace, right? And I'm thinking too, he's talking about that in the armor of God. We, our feet, we, we have these gospel shoes kind of thing on. But we're also talking about running shoes now today in this passage where we're able, we're, we're prepared to run, to escape, to flee. There is a time to run, you know. But I'm kind of thinking, looking at this passage, we need to, we need to always be moving. But, but the question is, moving in the right direction, away from and running to. There's a time to run, there's a time to escape, a time to flee. But as I was thinking about this passage, and, 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 and let me say this, let me, let me say this, let me say this. Let me say this. Sorry, I'm just, I'm losing control here. How do you flee from something that is in you? This is the problem, right? He's talking about youthful lust. One translation has it. Evil desires of youth. These, these desires, these, these uh, longings. That's what the word means. These longings, these desires, what we want. He says it, it means especially for those things that are forbidden. So where are those longings and desires? They're not out there. Where are they? They're in here. They're in me. So he, he, he's talking about, how, again, how do we flee from something that is in me? That's not so easy, is it? You know, because I, go, I try to get over here, right? I'm not over there anymore. Where am I? I'm over here now. And then I try to get over here to get away from it. And guess what? Wherever you are, wherever you go, what? How does that go? There you are. See, you guys are so smart. It's amazing. I'm, I'm, I'm blown away. These battles, these desires, these longings, these, the negative ones, anyway, we're talking about the negative stuff. So they're, they're right here inside of me. And, I, and, and he's saying to flee them, to get away, to escape. There's danger that lies there. It's lying right inside of me. Yeah, yeah, I know. And some of you are thinking, yeah, but what about, you know, the, the things outside? There are certainly outside forces, absolutely, obviously, that affect us, that, that, you know, kind of, you know, you see something and it kind of stirs that thing up inside of you. You hear something. So, yeah, we need to get away from those outside uh, sources, that's important. Being careful of those things, again, that we're exposing ourselves to. The media, the media that we have today, it, you know, the, the things that, that it exposes us to and, and kind of tries to get to play into those things. Absolutely. You need to be careful. You know what? And I've said this before, uh, time after time, is, is if you have a computer... You need to have some kind of protection, some kind of a, a way. I don't, I don't even want to have Internet access if I don't have some kind of protection because I, my flesh is, is just as weak as the next person's. And, and, you know, if I could just say, well, you know, I'd take my nice blue T-shirt and put a big S on here and think I'm Superman. Well, it's not Superman. It would be stupid man. 
thinking that I could just resist and stop everything. No. We need to be wise and careful. And even with protection, what I found is even with protection, things still pop up at you and you go like, where'd that come from? Whoa. Where are these battles? They, ultimately, they're taking place in us. Romans chapter 12, he talks about, you know, don't be conformed any longer to the pattern of this world, but what? Be transformed by the renewing of your mind. A lot of these things are taking place up here. It's not that our flesh really has to have these things, though there are times that is the case, but a lot of it gets started up here in our mind. We need to be transformed by the renewing of our minds. The renewing of our minds. Remember that old uh, saying, G-I-G-O? Any of you remember that? Garbage in, garbage out. That's right. Garbage in, garbage out. Think about that garbage can. So he's talking about these evil desires of youth, these youthful lusts. So what are they? We kind of talked about some of them. Some of you brought them up. And, and the first thing that comes to mind is that what? Youthful lust. What's the first thing that comes to mind? Just spit it out. Sex, right. Sexual sin. I mean, come on. I've got to get some water because you guys are really kind of messing with me now. I know you know the answer to that one. That's like the first thing that we think of. But is that the only thing that it is about? Absolutely not. There are all kinds. That is, that is one of them, and I think it's, it's probably one of the most dangerous ones. The Bible talks about that in a lot of different places, but there are a lot of other youthful lusts, fame and fortune and fun. Even the lust for fun can sometimes get us into trouble, right? This British uh, uh, commentator, a British uh, writer, wrote back in the 1700s, which tells me that things don't change much. He says, flee also... Youthful lusts. He says, not only all irregular and sensual desires, which we've just said, but pride, ambition, and above all, the lust of power, to which most men will sacrifice all other propensities, their ease, pleasure, health, etc. He says, this is the most bewitching passion in the human heart. Again, those sensual things, they're important. We need to fight and flee those too. But, you know, what about all the rest? We think if I get that under control, what about all the rest? And I'm, you know, I've got this pride thing happen. I've got this, you know, ambition. And I'm just stepping all over everybody. He says both in church and states, it's, it's ruinous. But particularly so in the former, the church. He said, Timothy was now between 30 and 40 years of age, the very age in which ambition and the love of power most generally prevail. He's telling Timothy this. You've got to watch out what's going on in your heart. He kind of breaks it up here. It's interesting. He says, carnal pleasures are the sins of youth. Ambition and the love of power are the sins of middle age. Covetousness and carking cares, the crimes of old age. I had to look that one up. Carking? It means distressing, distressing worry, worrying cares. I don't know if I agree with that because I think all, all of those hit us in any time of life. 
to be honest with you. Flee, run, escape. The disciples, you know, they're hanging out with Jesus and, and Jesus gets a little bit ahead of them and then back there they're arguing amongst themselves. What were they arguing about? Who's going to be the greatest? No, it's going to be me. I'm going to be me. These guys were with Jesus and, and you know, again, the big S. Run, flee, and escape. You know, we're talking about believers here, right? We're talking about believers. But because, because before we became a believer, it didn't matter, right? It didn't matter. You do whatever you want to do. If, it, if it's cool, if you like it, right? What's to say? Just do it, right? That's the, that's the motto. Just do it. I want you to turn with me ahead to the book of 1 Peter. 1 Peter uses this word a bunch of times, and, I, and I'm not sure why. Maybe it was because Peter, you know, he was kind of a, you know, he would just do things. You know, he was a, he, kind of like he was always out there, impulsive, and that kind of a guy, perhaps. But he uses this term about these desires, these longings, a whole bunch of times. We're going to look at a, a number of them. But look at 1 Peter, if you will, turn with me to 1 Peter chapter 1 and verse 14. He says, as obedient children, do not conform to the, the evil desires, that same word, that you had when you lived in ignorance. But just as he who called you is holy, so be holy in all you do. For it is written, be holy because I am holy. We did those things in ignorance, but, you know, things are different now. We, we saw earlier in 2 Timothy, we're his. We belong to him now. And if we are his, it, it didn't matter before, but it does matter now. Look at chapter 2, verse 11. He said, Dear friends, I urge you as aliens and strangers in the world to abstain from what? Sinful desires which war against your soul. The same word. Abstain from sinful desires, youthful lust, the evil desires of you, whatever you want to call it. Abstain from those sinful things. Watch out. Abstain. Fight. It says they war against your soul. We're in a battle. We're in a war. How about chapter 4 of 1 Timothy, starting in verse 1. He said, Therefore, since Christ suffered in his body, arm yourselves also with the same attitude. Because he who has suffered in his body is done with sin. As a result, he does not live the rest of his earthly life for evil human desires. Right there, same word. But rather for the will of God. For you have spent enough time in the past doing what pagans choose to do. Living in debauchery, lust, drunkenness, orgies, carousing, and detestable idolatry. They think it's strange that you do not plunge with them into the same flood of dissipation. And they heap abuse on you because you're not out there doing it, going for the gusto with them. I was with some people who are not believers and, you know, they were, they were partying it up and they were breaking open the brews as quick as they could break them open. And, and you know, they offered it to me. And I said, no, no, thanks. I appreciate that, but no thanks. And, and I, I thought, you know, what if they asked me, well, why aren't you drinking? 
And I, and I thought about it, and you know what I would have said? I w this is what I would have said. I would have said, let's see, what would I have said? I, I would have said, you know what? I've already hit my quota back in my early days. I had it all back then. I drank, I drank, I drank, I smoked, I did all the stuff that you could do. I hit the quota way back then. I don't need to do that anymore. Right? I spent enough time in the past doing all those things. What pagans, what unbelievers choose to do. So fleeing from these things, and, and it requires a strong steps. He says here in Colossians, put to death, therefore, whatever belongs to your earth, earthly nature. And he talks about all these things. You used to walk in these ways, he said, in the life you once lived. You used to do there, but because of these, the wrath of God is coming. The wrath of God is coming. We've got to be careful. I need to move along here. 2 Peter, though, let's turn there. Turn the page to 2 Peter chapter 1. Because we might say, well, you know, I can't do it. I'm too weak. I can't make it. I can't fight these things. They're too much for me. How many of you have thought that? But look what Peter said. And Peter probably would have said the same thing. But he says in verse 3, 2 Peter 1, he said, His divine power, God's divine power, has given us everything we need for life and godliness through our knowledge of Him who called us by His own glory and goodness. And through these He has given us His very great and precious promises so that through them you may participate in the divine nature and escape the corruption in the world caused by what? Evil desires, the same word. So that you may escape. You see, He's given us He's given us everything we need if we will appropriate it and take it, take it, what he offers to us to fight that fight. He says in 2 Peter chapter 3, we won't turn there now, but he says that some, he says in the last days some will, will come, they will be scoffing and following their own evil desires. They're following after those things. They're running towards those things. But again, you and I, if we are believers we, we, we need a different direction. We need to run away from, and, and this word pursue, again, we, we get to the positive side. It means to go after, to press toward. Paul talks about it in Philippians 3. I press toward the mark. It's the same word that, that uh, Paul uses in 2 Timothy. If you want to turn back there with me. 2 Timothy 2.22, it's the same word. Pressing towards, pursuing after, going after those things which are good. I want to. I've been thinking about this, and I've been debating whether to use this terminology or not because some of you are going to have trouble with it. But I'm calling it replacement theology. Replacement theology. Now that means a totally different thing, and I'm not even going to get into that. But in my mind, what I'm talking about is we replace some of those things that, that are negative, that are bad. We run away from those things, but we, we go to something that is good and positive and healthy and that will yield fruit, good fruit, to go after those things that are good. Matthew Henry, the old commentator, he says, the more that we follow that which is good, the faster we shall flee from that which is evil. You see what he means by that? 
The more we're going after something good, in other words, pursuing the good things leaves no time for the bad things. We have to be going after something good in our lives. If we just think, I'm going to run away from that and then just stay here in this neutral place, guess what is going to happen? The battle's right there, and we've, we've filled it. You know, Jesus talked about it right about the, the house that, is, uh, that had demons living there, right? You know that story, right? Cast out the demons, and the place is clean, it's beautiful, but stayed empty. And what happened? You know what happened. What happened? They came back. They came back seven times as many, right? They brought their friends. They brought their friends. We need, to, we need to focus on some positive things. We need to put some healthy things in our lives. And that's what he's saying here. Don't, don't just run away from the bad stuff, but pursue. Go after the good things as well. The first thing, first thing he talks about is righteousness. And this word, it doesn't mean that we might all be righteous. You know, we, we've got a wrong impression of some of these words. The, the really, righteousness is an old English word, right-wiseness. And it means to be right with. So this word righteous, to pursue righteousness, is to be, number one, right with God. Right with God. And we can't do this. We, our righteousness comes from Jesus. He's given it to us. But to pursue that, to be right with God, to be doing things in your life and my life to, to make my life right with God. I want to be right with you, God. I'm going to run towards that. I'm going to pursue that. I'm going to go for that in all areas of my life. I want to be right with you. And secondly, to be right with people. To be right with people. There's certain, certain times we said, you know, I'm not doing nothing there. No, I'll be right with you, God, but I'm not going to be right with those people around me. Does that work? No. Because you think about other verses where he says, you know, if you can't forgive them, then I can't. I'm having trouble forgiving you, God says to us. So we need to forgive. We need to, to be right with people as much as it lies within you. He says, be at peace. Live at peace with all men, right? What else does he say we should pursue there? Faith. Pursue faith. And what does that mean? That I'm going to be this man or woman of faith? No. What is faith? Faith in its simplest understanding is trust. Trust. Now, I don't know about you, but my daily life is a, is a, a, a challenge of trust, right? Will you trust me? This is, the, this is the, the sentence I hear over and over. I'm not hearing voices, though, just, just so you know. But, but I believe God's saying this. Will you trust me? You're messed up. You're in a bad situation. Everything's going on all around you. But will you look up and trust me? Will you pursue me and trust me in the things that are going on in your life? The next thing, love, right? That's agape love. That's not just regular love, right? Pursuing that kind of unselfish love. That's what agape love is, selfless love. God, I want that fruit of your spirit in my life. I need that agape love in my life. I need you to, to love people through me. Again, getting back to that, uh, that, that de devotional, he says, but I'm a, I was afraid. I'm afraid to let God do stuff through me. 
How about peace? Last one he gives us there is peace. Peace. I'm going to pursue peace. I'm going to pursue that peace that God has in my life. You know, I have found that it doesn't, these things don't just come naturally. I have to seek after God. I have to go after them. I have to ask God for them. And, and James says, you have not what? Because you ask not. Right. I want these things in my life. But the last thought I want to leave you with here is that, look what he says there in the last part of that verse. He says, along with those who call on the Lord out of a pure heart. And you guys get this because you're here. We're not in this alone. We're in this thing together. We need to encourage one another. So many people have, wrote, have written about this. One said this, that it's essential for progress that we have this iron sharpening iron kind of thing. Another one said the encouragement of others is vital. It's vital. It's essential. It's vital that you and I would do this thing together. So, got to have a running shoes on, you know? Got to have the right gear, right? I know some people, and I'm not going to mention any names, they got to get all the gear. You know, you got you to spend all the money to buy all the gear. You got to have the gear, and what, what we need is running shoes, and we need to run away from the negative, those youthful lusts. But we need to turn and run towards him. We need to run with all we've got towards him and the things that he has for us. The righteousness that he has. The love, the peace, the faith that he has for you and I. Let's pray together, shall we? Our gracious Heavenly Father, we, we pray you'd help us in this. It's a challenge, Lord. It's a challenge. It's so much going on and, and the battle is even within us. And the world is, is baiting us. The things around us, the enemy is throwing things at us to, to try to get us to, to walk that way. But Lord, you're saying, follow me, run to me. Trust me, is what you say. Father, we, we look to you and we ask you to help us get those shoes tightened up. The laces tightened up. That we might in our lives be consecrated. We might be, be people that, that are focused towards you. That the, the direction of our lives is towards you. And what you want to do in our lives and with us. It is scary. I, I know. I, I, it is scary. I'm afraid. But the one who died for me. Can I trust him? The one who died for me. Can I trust him? Father, help us to trust you. To run to you, Lord. That's where the freedom is in running towards you. Father, I also want to pray, Lord, for those that have never understood, never experienced the, the love of Jesus in their hearts and lives right now, if that's you, and you, you need Jesus in your life. As I, as I spoke strongly earlier about being prepared for that day when we're all going to stand before him. By having Jesus as your Savior, and it's, it's very simple to do. It's a yielding, a receiving, 
where you open your life and you yield and you say, Dear Jesus, I, I believe in you, that you died on the cross. And I receive what you have for me. I receive you into my heart and my life today here. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Let's stand and sing together, shall we?